Louisville. How do you guys pronounce the capital of Kentucky? Is it Louisville or Louisville? It's Frankfurt. Salutations, sports fans and socialites. Welcome to the Bloodlines Podcast, your one-stop shop for sports news as fresh as Fig Newtons from a truck stop in Florida. I'm your host, Brad Kirschenbaum. As always, I'm joined by the sergeant of the spreads, Tyler Hammock. And uh, standing in while Sandro Man conquered his underlings earlier in Catan, it was a special guest, Kelly Keough. Brad, I am so happy we're Ooh. back. Vibes are back up. We're we still good, boys. We're really good. It's very everybody. We're doing a special Friday morning recording for everybody. We're, we're, we're bringing into the weekend. I mean, let's, let's feel it out, everybody. How are we doing? Yeah, well, don't feel it out while I'm trying to tell everybody about Mortensen Mortuary with nine locations in the tri-state area. Trusted for over 46 years to proudly bury everything from Jameson Williams' hopes to play in a cool city to Mitch Trubisky, who's sadly back on the bench kissing those titties. Use promo code TITTY at checkout for 15% off in a box of matches. That is T-I-T-T-Y for 15% off in a box of Mortensen Mortuary matches. Mortensen Mortuary. You've been killing them, and we've been burying them since 1976. Family-owned and operated, member FDIC. When you said T-I-T-T-Y, it really sounded like a third-grade chant where it's like, T-I-T-T-Y, shoot some milk in their eye. That's, that's, that's where I went immediately. Yep, kissing in the tree. I, I That's probably a pretty good comparison. Did you ever, um, and this is kind of where my mind went there, did you ever uh, master the states in reverse? You know, like everybody could like rattle off all of the states and in order. And then like the crazy smart kids would try to like outdo everybody and do it in reverse. You seem like the kind of person that would do that. Uh, So I never got them in reverse, but I will tell you a story that will shock nobody, but is uh, not the coolest thing that's ever happened in the history of mankind. I knew I could could peg you as this kid for sure. When when I was in first grade, like early first grade, I knew all the states and all the capitals and they, they paraded me in front of a bunch of idiot sixth graders at my grade school. And they were like, you see this fucking moron of a first grader can get all this down. And they were quizzing me in the classroom. And they're like, look at look at Encyclopedia Britannica here, and it's it's shocking that I did not ever get beat up when I was in school because I did stuff like this. It's it's truly mesmerizing that I survived. I think the only thing I got paraded around in high school was uh, our accounting class went from our accounting class, like all the other business hall classes, and we just did this chant that said, "Deb, it's on the left. Cred, it's on the right. Stand <laughs> up, sit down, fight, fight, fight," and just like told everybody that debits on the left and credits are on the right but all right well here we are we got two really went into the right career field a couple of nerds a couple of nerds leading a podcast yeah um, but actually well ollie do you want to tell everybody what we'll be doing today or are you going to be able to uh and you know he's kind of had bad connection ollie can you preview the episode for everyone absolutely i, think- all right. I, I don't know oh, if yeah. I, I don't know how far i am behind you guys my internet is shit today uh, but on today's episode, we are going to catch up on the week. We have some we have some Nebraska football and Creighton talk today. Some big news, uh, some big news with those teams. We're going to talk some Kentucky Derby. Uh, we have a special guest interview to get you prepared for the NFL playoffs. We already kind of gave you a little sneak peek of who that could be. Uh, NHL. Some guy named Jack. Did I say, did I say NFL? Yep. I, 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 put, that's not on you. This is I put the, NFL on there because I I, I just knew Ollie wouldn't connect the dots and and yes NHL no, NFL preview you, with Kelly. 
motherfucker. <laughs> All right, good one, good one, good one. And I'm Brad Kirschenbaum. Uh, some guy named Jack also released an album, which we'll get into in Clickbait Something. And before we send you off, we're going to fly out to Louisville for some Unhinged. Louisville. How do you guys pronounce the capital of Kentucky? Is it Louisville or Louisville? It's Frankfurt. Aha, good job. You were paying attention during that open. I don't you don't don't fuck with me on the states and capitals. Nice little transition. That was uh the one and only flight I've ever flown to Louisville. That was the joke that the uh pilot made as we landed. And it was like the whole plane yelling, Louisville, Louisville. And he's like, No, actually it's Frankfurt. Pretty much exactly how you said it, Brad. Suckers. Um but have a couple of fun things to update everybody on. We have a, uh, kind of a sneaky segment that has started to prelude our episodes with a corrections page because we rarely ever do things correctly the first time. Um, so we had an update on the USFL TV ratings because Ollie made a great point after week one. We were kind of touting all of the ratings that the USFL was getting. Um, so we thought we'd reassess after week three or week two or week three. We are a little bit behind here. And so, Ollie, the ratings dropped basically in half from week one to week two, but they rebounded a little bit here in week three. And they are 100% competing with NBA playoff games, at least like the not the top tier ones. I'll say the Boston Nets series definitely got a lot of viewers, um, but they're still averaging over a million viewers for at least two of their four games, uh, which I mean, call me crazy here, but there seems to be much more buzz around this league getting more traction, but We'll continue to update everybody. Just thought that was an interesting little tidbit that the ratings for the USFL are far, far surpassing the XFL and the AAF that we've had to deal with here in the last few years. Um, just because we are still a gambling podcast that gets lost in the uh, shuffle every now and then as we evolve and do other things. But I thought everybody could laugh. I swear to God, you guys, I think, Brad, I told you about this one. I had the world's worst bet in the history of gambling, like in the history of gambling. That would be a very high mountain to climb for this podcast. I'm serious. It, okay, I'll explain it very quickly. So it was in the Bulls versus Bucks series of the first round of the NBA playoffs. I don't like betting the NBA. Very, very rarely will I ever even touch the games because I really don't know that much about the teams. But this night I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the Bulls game. I like watching the Bulls in the playoffs. Doesn't happen that often. We're going to watch this game. And I was like, the Bulls are going to keep it close. I think it was game two or game three. So I did the bet that Bulls were nine and a half point underdogs in that game. So I took the bet that the largest lead in that basketball game would be under 17 and a half. So essentially the Bulls would just never be down by 17 points. It kind of yeah. felt like a free eight points to me because I thought the Bulls would keep it close the entire game. Guess what happened here, guys? The Chicago motherfucking Bulls led the Bucks for all of 12 seconds by 18 points of that basketball game. Yep. The Bulls were just on an absolute tear, and the Bulls led the Bucks by 18 points for literally 12 seconds. In one possession, the Bucks came back, and then they obviously ended up winning the game, and I lost my bet because of those 12 seconds. It, it felt like one of the world's worst bets. I mean, there's there's a lot of bets I've lost over 12 seconds or less, so I feel you there. Yeah. Uh, a lot of championships yeah. we've won with 12 seconds or less. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. You could have gotten crazy odds, too, on the Bulls to have the largest lead of the game. Oh, and yeah. the Bulls to get to uh, an 18-point advantage at any point in time. Yeah, there's a lot of money that could have been made there, and somehow you lost money. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's what almost makes me like even more pissed off about the whole thing. Yeah. Is there's some jaggaloon over in Raleigh, North Carolina, who bet the Bucks or who, who bet the over of the biggest uh, lead in that game, thinking the Bucks would just dominate. And even though I was in my mind, I was technically right that the Bulls would keep it close. They were a little bit too good that night. So that was kind of a funny one can laugh at this morning. However, your bets went this week. Mine went a little bit worse, and that was a little funny. Well, on the gambling podcast note, it should be noted that the no extra innings Major League Baseball bet is hitting uh, four out of every seven days pretty consistently. Uh, we had a we had a bad two game two day stretch uh, recently, but uh, I think we're we're three in a row right now. It, it, it's crushing it. You're getting anywhere between uh, on a full game slate of games. You're getting anywhere between plus two hundred and plus three hundred on these. So. If you're hitting over 50% on plus 200, plus 300, and even on a day like today when there's nine games, it's plus like 120, then you're doing great. You are so Brad, you are it. Brad, remind everybody that wasn't on the last episode. What's this bet that you found that you are betting every day? So I am parlaying every single Major League Baseball game to not go to extra innings. This is like minus 900, minus 1100 for a lot of the games. But when you parlay 15 games together, you get it down to, you know, plus 250, plus 300, depending upon, you know, how, how tight some of these games are. And you bet it every single day. And it's based on the logic that 4.6% of all Major League Baseball games go to extra innings. Some of those are going to happen on the same day. So when you when you extrapolate that out, you should be winning this bet way more than 50% of the time. And then your return is going to be even higher because you're getting plus odds on all of this. So this is... Um, this is this is your free money. Uh, take it, keep running with it. I've got a, I've got a few people who are loyal listeners that are uh, that are texting me every day. Like, did you take it today? Even with this, I'm like, yep, we're taking it every single day. Just let it ride. And one guy, uh, shout out Fuchs, he's been taking it. Fuchs, my boy, your, my your boy, guy. who's going to come on here at some point and talk about something. Let's he go. took it, and then he got aired out on one of the games, and that was the game that went to extra innings. So it wasn't in his parlay. So he's red hot right now. Ah. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, from the world's best bet to the world's worst bet, let's transition off of the sports world. Uh, you want to talk about some stale food? You know, just just had a real nice moment recently where um, some some slightly stale Oreos came into my life. Like oh. just, just a little bit stale. Not bad. Just like a couple days overexposed. They, they kind of oxygenated. And it's so good. Like some, in the same way that I think that some pizza company needs to come up with a way to deliver day old pizza so you can just eat leftover pizza on demand. The same thing needs to happen with stale Oreos. They're just a little better. They're a little softer. It feels like you're kind of eating a milkshake of some sort. It's great. Highly, highly recommend it. But I was, I was wondering if there's any other foods that you guys have in your life. You're like, you know what? When this is a little bit older than fresh, I'm not mad about it. So there's a difference. Sorry, go ahead, Ollie. Twizzlers. Twizzlers, open the, great answer. Open, open the bag and let mm-hmm. them get just like let them get hard. And yep, they're so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Man, you That's guys probably are probably my weird. number one. Um, I, I there's a difference between it being stale and it being fresh. I guess what I guess what I meant yeah, by the huge difference. All right, well, moving on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I, I did a quick uh, YouTube or a Google search on this because I didn't want to sound like an idiot, which I have already done, which is just fantastic. Um, and I found a Reddit thread that said Oreos were one of the top ones. So not surprised you went with the most basic pick of all time. Um, so actually, that's not a bad transition because I'm probably guessing that you're going to make the most basic Kentucky Derby pick here in a minute. Uh, but I do have one little also fun conversation outside of this stale uh, conversation real quick. 
I know I texted you guys a couple of days. I had the craziest farting scenario at work that I just had to tell you guys. Mm-hmm. And I know people are going to appreciate this. So I, I, I work in a norm, pretty normal like business complex. There's a lot of companies in my building. Um, so there's a lot of shared bathrooms, obviously. So the main floor men's room, I walk in the other day and I'm the, there's a guy in the, there's a tall urinal and a small urinal. So for all the females that are listening in the men's room, there's like a, a normal adult size urinal. And then there's usually like a kid size urinal. And if there's only two, a lot of times there's only the tall and the small one. So me being the six, five gigantor that I am, I usually like to get the tall one, but I walk in this time, both stalls are full, which is very rare. And the left urinal, tall urinals full. I was like, all right, I've really got to take a piss and get back to my meeting. So I'm just going to have to do this really fast and use the kid one. So I'm standing at the kid urinal. And out of nowhere, the guy who's just not that tall. Or or somebody's not that tall. Sure. And we can all use it. Um, But it's, (laughs) I'm standing there. The guy to the left just lets out a little, little fart, little toot. You know, while you're peeing, of course, sometimes you let a little gas fall out. That's fine. Not a big deal. And I was like, I almost said, like, nice, man. Like, good job. <laughs> you know, like sometimes you almost support it. The first, yeah. one, the first one came out and I was like, all right, that's kind of funny. And then next thing you know, the guy in the stall just honestly <laughs> starts farting for 13 seconds straight. A straight 13 seconds. In the second that guy in the stall was done, the guy I'm standing next to at the urinal starts farting again. And, and, and I realized they're just I'm, asserting dominance. And I guess so. I real and, and in this whole time frame, I have gone into the bathroom, peed, washed my hands, and left before any of those three have left their positions. So the guy that was standing there when I got there was still trying to pee. I guess maybe he just needed to get the gas out first. Man, I just it was one of the craziest farting situations I've ever been around. I was innocent in this scenario, so I felt like sharing it. If you're uh, ever going to fart, the bathroom is the place to do it. It, it very much is. Uh, well, transitioning off of maybe not the innocent, Nebraska not, n- NIL. The NIL world in the state of Nebraska between the University of Nebraska and the University of Creighton. A couple of huge additions to both of those programs. Nebraska getting a top DN from TCU. Creighton getting a couple of massive basketball additions, mainly by Baylor Shireman from South Dakota State who's originally from small town Nebraska. Brad, what do you want to dive into today? You know, obviously we're all excited about Creighton, potential number one uh, uh, preseason ranking coming up here. They're going to be top three or four for sure. And I think that we're actually going to see a lot of number one votes because sports writers are going to feel super clever doing it, even though it's not a bad pick. A combination of culture and additions is going to be huge. But I wanted to talk about this in the context of Nebraska football. Because the conversation always comes up with like, what's it going to take to get Nebraska back? Not to 1995, but just like, what's it going to take? And everybody always brings up, well, they don't have the advantages that they used to. You know, they used to be they were the only ones on TV and there's one TV game a week. And then they, you know, they had the world-class weight training program, which was just steroids in the 80s. And that's fine. And that sort of built up the entire thing. But we always had some sort of advantage. And everybody was like, well, now nobody's really going to go there because the it's life, a different the life skills program. That was, yeah, another one. It was all, yeah that's right. Yeah. There, there's all, they always wanted something to be yeah, in yeah. there. And so the argument has always been like, well, who's going to come and, you know, who's going to come here? Who's going to start that? You know, the only thing we really have going for us is the sellout streak and the fan support. And you can't that's the worst. anymore. But NIL is literally fan support turned into something tangible. 
And this is this is the like if there's going to be some way we differentiate ourselves, it's going to be a bunch of rich Nebraska donors who are like, you know what? Let's stop paying a bunch of idiot coaches. Let's just throw like ten million dollars into a pool every single year, and we're going to pay the fuck out of all these players. And these kids are going to be driving around, and it's going to be like the '80s again, and they're going to have nice cars, and they're going to be sponsored by Muchachos Burritos, and they're going to think like, hey, sweet, who cares where this money's coming from? Like this is this is the path back. If and it almost might work out better for Scott Frost, who recruiting wise, I think he's done a good job. But in terms of like keeping guys, we've had like top 20 classes. They just don't stick around. Brad, Brad, he has not done a good job recruiting. We have, we have not had a winning season this now in NIL. I'm talking talking rankings. I'm talking ranking wise. His recruiting rankings have been good relative to the results on the field. Fine, fine, fine. So, but I'm saying like, He's coming into a different coach now. Like it used to be a completely different world of college football. He's coaching a different sport at this point. And it might work out well for his personality. And it might work out well to help turn the program over because you can kick guys out of the program, no problem. And you can replace them in the portal if you're willing to pay for it. So I think this could be, uh, you know, this is certainly some offseason Kool-Aid. But, you know, there's always been the, like, what is going to be the competitive advantage? What can they do to differentiate themselves from, you know, you know, I'm not talking Ohio State. I'm not talking about Alabama. I'm talking about Georgia. But differentiate themselves from Iowa, from Wisconsin. Wisconsin just opted out of the NCAA football game because they didn't want to, I don't know, they, they didn't want to deal with the NIL version of it. Nebraska's like, hell yeah, put all of our guys in there. Let's get them paid. Let's let people play as Nebraska when they're in high school. So there is, uh, I don't know, that's that that's my take on it. That's my off-season optimism. I think that this is, NIL is the path back to uh, respectability uh, for Nebraska. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. There was one, I had a conversation just yesterday, actually, with a coworker, and I said this is the first time in over a decade that I can honestly say, without truly feeling like I'm talking out of both sides of my tongue, Nebraska has a chance to win a national championship again. Not yeah. right now, not this year, of course. But in this NIL world, the Nebraskas of the world have each, the Tennessees of the world, the Virginia Techs of the world, the um, Miami Miami Hurricanes of uh, Miami's not the best comparison, more more so Tennessee football. I use them as a comparison all the time of just these diehard fan bases that are, as you said, Brad, they're sick of paying for coaches that don't even coach at their university anymore, a la Bo Pelini and Frank Solich that we had to pay for years. Now they just want to pay their players that are actually going to perform right freaking now. Yeah. And, that, and that's where the money shift is going to happen in this world. There's enough money in college football that the big time power five college coaches will always get paid. I'm not saying that there's going to be some type of level of jealousy between big big uh, power five coaches and their players. But what I will say is think about those position group coaches. Because position group coaches, specifically wide receiver, is a massive position coach in the college football game. They don't make more than 500 grand typically, unless you are an offensive or defensive coordinator. Your range is going to be from, let's say, 250 to $750,000, depending mm-hmm. on how tenured and re- like respectable that you are. That's where I think it could get interesting when maybe a Trey Palmer like who transferred from LSU and is going to be a stud here at Nebraska, maybe he's pulling in 250 this year, possibly, depending on how good he gets oh, yeah. and how big things go. That's where the relationships will change. And I think we are in a one to five year window that we got to effing win this thing right now. Yeah. Because I think regulation is coming. And what Texas A&M did last year 
to get the number one, or I don't know if they had number one, top two, top three recruiting class. They won't be able to do that forever. This NIL world will somehow get regulated. It'll somehow calm down. I don't know how, but it will. And I think Nebraska really needs to take advantage right now while we are ahead of the curve with Open Doors and AMC, LLC, and Lincoln funneling all the money. And I think that to to that point of when it settles down, there is going to be a tier of schools that are willing to pay a premium. Even if the market says, hey, a five-star number one overall recruit is worth $2 million, no, nobody should pay more than that. Nebraska is going to be like, okay, well, what if we pay 2.5? Like, is that not worth it? We have this sick recruiting class coming in. We've got a ton of receivers. We just need this one thing to cap it off. And I think coaches, as they change jobs, not just at Nebraska, but elsewhere, it used to be, well, what's my assistant pool? How can I retain my assistants? I think the next question is going to be, what's my NIL pool? What do the boosters have? What can I divvy out to recruits to get some of these guys here to make my job uh, a little bit easier? And that's going to be a selling point. So to let insiders know that are not from Nebraska and are less interested with what Brad and I are talking about right now. So what Nebraska has done that separates them and Creighton being in Omaha and so close is this relationship with Open Doors, which is a mass marketing company for athletes that has been going on, I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight years, started by Blake Lawrence, Nadi Kunalik, that has just grown like crazy. And what it's doing is that's what's churning these 30-second, one-minute clips of these players getting their logos out there, uh, mastering their social pages to really funnel their logo everywhere. But the big addition beyond Open Doors is now this LLC company that is in Lincoln that funnels that funnels money from boosters. And this is eventually what all universities, the Bamas, the Georgias, the Kentuckys for basketball, everybody's going to have this. So instead of Brad Kirschenbaum, Toyota dealer, who has plenty of money to pee out his wazoo, he's going to pay X player a million dollars. No, what happens is he's going to donate to that LLC, that mm -hmm. $1 million, and then they funnel from there all of the appropriate money with some regulation around it. Now, what that's done is it's allowed for the world's number one bowler in the entire world. Hello, Bill Kirschenbaum. What up? He's coming to Lincoln next year. Some girl from, I can't remember where she's from, but she's some hot shot bowler that got some huge NIL deal through. Is that real? It's real. I, I just oh. went to, I just went to a con, or a, uh, an NIL meeting at Happy Hollow earlier this week where Bruce Rasmussen and oh, we leaders. We better information now. This is great. And leaders from the Nebraska Compliance Department where they're talking about all this, about the pros and cons of what's happening in this world. And Nebraska and Creighton University are light years. And I mean light years ahead of what other institutions in this country are doing. You guys, Creighton basketball is not done. This is not a one-year thing. Coach has built a absolute program. We're going to keep getting top NIL guys in. And I'm sorry, Iowa fans. I'm sorry to our some of our great Wisconsin friends that I've now made and Brad has. Huskers are coming back with a force, and I think it's going to piss people off even more than the steroid world did. Just like what a and is going to piss off an SEC by getting their huge powerhouse kids yeah. and paying for it, I think we're about to be hated. There's and Not because not we're like great, but No, sorry, because sorry. we're annoying. We're gonna be we're gonna be so fucking annoying if yes, if we if we end up being good if yes. we're not we're just gonna go back to the the self deprecating humor but yeah. if we're actually good Nebraska fans have had so much pent up energy that all the people who are like well you guys only have one good year nobody's gonna care everybody they're just going to lay all their nuts on the table 
and and because then we are we've literally already lived that hypothetical scenario of would you rather win a national championship and have 10 straight losing seasons like mm-hmm. hey dummy wake up we've had basically 10 straight losing seasons i'm ready for that national yeah, it championship. Sure feels like it and, yeah. and now that now that the cheating that's happened in this game for decades is not actually cheating it's legal let's fucking go for it and shovel out some money yep i'm into it all right brad let's twist on over to this f1 race before we talk some kentucky derby yeah, um, F1 race in Miami. Um, huge, huge event this weekend. They are, um, I think the the, the race uh, practice is, should be starting today, actually. Um, and it's just going to be big. I mean, F1 is going to have three races in the United States starting next year. They're going to have Miami. They're going to have Vegas. They're going to have Austin. And that's, uh, I think that's more than any single country has. So, you know, you always have to worry a little bit about oversaturation, but the thing that could really make this uh, pop in the U.S. even bigger is we. there are no American drivers that you see in F1. And there is a guy who is in the training program in either Mercedes or Red Bull who's very good, who uh, I think is going to get a spot on the grid the next year or two. And so if you have like an American that people can really latch on to. Are there no Americans currently? There are no Americans on the grid right now. The Haas is the only American team. And Haas is having a nice season from, from last to Haas. Hashtag shout out. <laughs> Uh, is um, uh, they're, they're making a nice run to at least respectability. But yeah, once you get an American driver that everybody can get behind, uh, and this is, you know, this is kind of how it goes. People see it and America does love race cars. I'm not a big NASCAR guy, but it, it's a very popular sport. So it's not impossible that somebody, um, you know, sees this and is like, you know what? Maybe there's a lot more money in F1 than there is in NASCAR. That's for sure. I really wish that I could just short the Major League Baseball stock. Like, I wish Major League Baseball was a stock because I think this is just another example of, I mean, Brad, we've already seen this example of the American breaking into a sport that America hasn't adopted yet and absolutely loving it. English Premier League. What Christian has done. Oh, my God. He has done to to soccer in this country, myself included. I watch way more soccer than I did before I started following him. Mm -hmm. MLB is in trouble. Reds, as we've talked about many times, three and 20 million at this point. They're never going to win again. Um, But where there is, well, there's definitely still some cheating in this sport. But let's talk some Kentucky Derby prep, boys. Ollie, you've been kind of quiet over there. I know you're dealing with some Internet issues. Do you have any uh, ponies that you like or picks that you like? Yeah, just one. Smile happy. Oh, look at you. I All love right. it. Smile happy, Sandro. Um, I have done uh, an enormous amount of research based on the uh, the names of the horses. It went specifically with uh, the names for my selections. Um, so first, I would like to point out, I always appreciate the really super pretentious names of the horses that are there because, you know, horse racing is not exactly an inclusive sport. You got to have a lot of money to do it. This is, you know, there's a very specific number of people who have access to uh, putting a horse in the Kentucky Derby for the most part. So I like that somebody, I actually can't believe this name hadn't been taken yet, but Tawny Port, which is, you know, just a great description for for a drink. Um, I'm, I, I like a good, I like a good port. I like it when it's Tawny. I get it. Uh, but naming your horse that is like, listen, I am so fucking white. It's not even funny. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. What's Tawny Port? It's just, it, it's a, it's a, that's how you would describe a port. Yeah. It's a port wine. Uh, Zozos uh, is another one. I actually like this one. Uh, this is named after a restaurant uh, on St. John in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So I'm, again, you kind of have that imagery of people sitting there like, we should name our horse after this restaurant that we love this summer at. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of, in terms of my, my picks, 
I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go full nerd here. We're gonna go all science-related picks, uh, and then one fun one. Uh, Messier, uh, even though it is named after Mark Messier, uh, the the Rangers uh, hockey player. Uh, Messier is also uh, a categorization of um, objects in the sky, astronomical objects. Uh, it's the most famous catalog in astronomy. So we're gonna go with them. We're gonna go epicenter. Uh, go with the earthquakes, uh, earthquake theme here. And then I can't pronounce this right. Taiba, T-A-I-B-A, Taiba. Um, I don't know anything about this horse, but its original name was Need More Guns. And then the owners changed it. And I'm like, Need More Guns. That's a that's a name I can see on a headline after they won. Like, Need More Guns, Fires to Victory. Like, I can I can write that. So uh, those are my three, Messier, Epicenter, and uh, Need More Guns slash Taiba. <laughs> Nice. I love it. And and actually, so that Tawny Port horse that you referenced, Brad, this was a shout out I wanted to give last week, but we had a delayed recording. So I had uh, one of my best friend's dads had his 80th birthday party uh, a couple of weeks ago. And a lot of our relationships deep rooted in the horse track. We've done horse racing trips together. We go to a lot of horse tracks on the weekend, live racing. We'll always be there with, you know, this family. And this dad's meant a lot to me. So I, you know, I came and I came and I got him a, a, a ticket for a horse that was named, you guys, General Major. General Major. General Major. Actually, it was Major General. But I was, so I was going through, and it was, it, it was, one, of the, it was one of the big uh, prep races for this race. And I was like, okay, this is the one that's going to be on this Saturday. I'm going to pick Major General because of Major our General. General, because of our podcast. And sure enough, it got second, exactly what I bet. So that was really fun. Shout out, Larry. Happy 80th to you. All right, let's do a little bit of Kentucky Derby prep. I'm going to try to keep this to a minute, minute and a half. If you guys are not interested, start the timer. There's a, there's a lot of words here. Well, I thought it, I thought it would be. There's plenty of people on here that just watch the Kentucky Derby and nothing else every year. So can you I, can you break this down just for the digestibility of listeners? Can you break uh, this down into uh, your your most interesting two tidbits, and then if somebody wants a long shot, and then um, you know something a little bit higher up the board. Yeah. Okay. Most interesting two tidbits will be, well, not this, it doesn't count as one of my tidbits, but just a reminder to everybody that Bob Baffert <laughs> is not eligible to have a horse racing anymore. So the guy that had oh, yeah. the last seven Kentucky Derby winners and should have been four before last year's overturn and crazy debacle that got uh, the second place place horse to actually win. So this, this field is as spread out as it's pretty much ever been. Um, so my first tidbit will be actually my favorite horse to really get in the money and get your trifecta to be paying a lot is number 14 Barber Road. This horse cost $15,000 at an auction and it's is that a lot or a little. That is nothing. That is that is dirt cheap for for a fifteen thousand dollars stakes horse to be running in the Kentucky Derby is virtually unheard of. Maybe one or maybe one every five years, one every ten years, there will be a horse from this level at an auction that somebody finds an absolute spark in. Uh, Run Happy was a really famous one out of a New York stable about fifteen years ago. But um, so yeah, Barber Road. He got second in his last prep race, but got boxed in on the third turn and closes like a bat out of hell. So I, I love the fat 14 horse to get into third place and get in the show. Um, okay, I only have one more note to get here. Okay, so I like the number one horse to win. Mo Donegal and his trainer, Todd Fletcher, is in the one post. Typically, any horse in the one post, that's going to take a lot of money away from big-time horse gamblers because it's not common for a one-post horse to win the Kentucky Derby. The, it, you're, the, 
there's so many more chances to get boxed in, not to remember, not to forget when you're watching this race, especially at the start, you're looking out for the number four horse. Summer is tomorrow. So if that horse gets a clean break and goes boom straight away to that rail, then our number one's already going to be in that second pack. That's where a lot of diehard gamblers are not going to want to risk betting that one horse. That's not me this time because this horse has already won twice on the rail. Last race on the, from the second post, he won his qualifying. This is this is a horse, and Todd Pletcher, Brad Cox, Stephen S. Mewson, he has I'll a trainer. Those are just the top three trainers in yeah. this in, in the Kentucky Derby world now that Bob Baffert's gone. So my my order, now that I'm done, there's those are my two points here. We're great. Beautiful. My, my trifecta box is one, three. 14, 15, 19. So that means you bet $2. It's going to cost you 60 bucks. We'll all be on uh, at Bloodlines Picks on Twitter uh, in case you uh, don't have a notepad handy. And not to mention follow at Bloodlines Picks on Twitter because I will be tweeting the past performances card that everybody's always looking for on Derby Day to actually look at the sheet and make you look like you know what you're talking about. That's so I'll have that tweeted just below our episode. Um, and then the three horse is the best. It's the class. The three horse is going to win this race. Um, this is Epicenter, as you already me- mentioned, Brad. Stephen okay. S. Houston. Nailed it. Uh, yeah. Zozos is a, is a threatening one out of that 19 hole who is somebody that I like to uh, really threaten to get in the money, but it's my, my, my I'm going to stop right there. It's one, it's three, it's 14 in that order. And then uh, sprinkle in the 15 and 19. If you want a little fluff to that trifecta box, any questions, is that good? Or is that confusing? That was beautiful. Okay. I know who I'm betting. Who are you going epicenter? Well, I'm going to, I, I mean, I think I'm going to have to go epicenter because I said it, I loved your argument for one and I like the odds are going to drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I will, uh, I'm still going to stick with Messier because I have mm-hmm. no reason to not. Uh, and, and if there's always people that really like to bet the white horse and it is pretty straightforward this time, it is white Abaro. It's a really beautiful gray horse that has a mm-hmm. lot of class. And if you want to bet that horse to show, it could absolutely get in the money. Um, personally, I see a lot of challenges that horse could have in this race, but um, epicenter is the class Mo Donegal in the one hole, one hole. That's where I like to sneak into second. And then Barber Road, a $15,000 auction horse, gets third place in the Kentucky Derby. Um, I have a little bit of a history calling these long shots to sneak in the money. So that's my shot this year. Love it. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. All right, everybody. So we are sliding over into the interview portion of today's show. One of our favorite things to do on Bloodlines is bring our friends and family onto the podcast that are absolute experts in a certain topic uh, leading up to a big event. So kind of how we had Chad come on before some big uh, World Cup qualifying news. We decided to bring a dear, dear friend, Kelly Keogh, onto the pod to talk some NHL playoffs. Kel, how are we doing? How's the drive into work going so far? Good. It's a little rainy, but it's good. Thanks for having me back. You bet. No problem. So looking forward to having you on. We, I know we're a few days late on this, so I guess that's maybe kind of good. We can talk about some of the games that have already happened, um, as well as doing a, a full preview into the rest of the playoffs. Um, I know I sent you some questions over earlier, Cal. Anything, anything, any hot button topics in the NHL world that we should be aware of? Anything happened in the last couple of days? Usually I'm good with NFL, but is anything slipping through me in the NHL world? Um, the only thing that really pops to mind that I think has been, you know, talked about a little bit was in that Pittsburgh, uh, New York Rangers series game one that went to triple overtime. There were a couple things that happened. First was that was it or was it not goaltender interference very late in the third period to wave, take a goal off the board for the Rangers. Uh, and then the, the second thing, which Emerson was 
everyone loves um, a good a good a good e-bug story, and there was a chance that you know an e-bug got dressed for the Pittsburgh Penguins to potentially have to go out and play at Madison Square Garden triple overtime, which I mean they don't even if it, if it was a movie you wouldn't believe it. So those are probably the two big things that have come out lately. All right, real quick, because and I'm glad this is the great thing about Google and always being prepared in front of my laptop. I was able to search eBug as an emergency backup goaltender. Oh, but, I'm sorry. Yes. No, yes. Sorry. No, that's great. That's honestly, it's one of the best parts about this podcast is nobody has to be a professional sports fan to listen yeah. and enjoy. So we get to teach people along the way. So yeah, an eBug, eBug is an emergency backup goaltender. Can you yeah, just kind you of ex- explain what that means for... Yeah, explain no what that problem. means a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So usually throughout the season, uh, teams only carry two goaltenders because they have a roster limit that they have to fill other ways. Um, and so if one goaltender goes down and is too hurt, to, instead of being pulled just for performance, if they go down because they're hurt, every team has something in place where they have truly just a kid that plays, you know, low level club hockey or. Um, you know, some works in the building, but has played goaltender before ready to go um, in the, in the event that that second goalie does get hurt and he goes in. It did happen uh, twice this year. Actually, it happened in Anaheim in the last game of the season. Um, Obviously it happened in Chicago. It's happened, you know, it's been, when it happens, it gets very well noticed that it happens and they've always happened in regular season games. I couldn't even imagine the uh, buzz if it were to happen in triple overtime of a Stanley cup playoff game. So that was going to be my question because I was not a, I was not aware of the acronym, but I was aware of the term and what an emergency backup goalie was. The Hawks have had a couple of really fun stories about that over the years. And actually, Kelly, you and a couple of friends even knew one of them back in the day. So when it comes to the playoffs, has that ever happened? Has anybody ever had an emergency backup goalie get put into act, to action? Gosh, I, I, I'm going to say not that I know of. Not that I, okay. not that I know of and not that was, you know, recalled the other night when it was happening and like as a, oh, this yeah. is just like that one situation. So certainly nothing that I know of. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, they're playing at Madison Square Garden. This kid goes to Manhattan City College. I'm like you know if this kid goes in to play against the rangers in the third overtime how is he not just gonna let the puck in exactly (laughs) and be a rangers legend forever exactly Um, that'd be incredible i mean he'll never get invited back to be the emergency backup but he'll be he'd be a legend you know they'd probably put his number in the rafters for doing that so i just did it over and over luckily i did look up the kid that did have to dress um and he was he was from dallas he was a stars fan so it was a moot point but Uh, that would have been an unbelievable story. Well, that's kind of a nice transition there because one of the fun things that I wanted to talk to you about, because you, I'll I'll just admit from the 2009 to 2015 Hawks days where we're watching every single game, and obviously you still watch every single game, but it it felt like I was just so much more in tune with the up-and-coming guys, the big stars that were kind of on the precipice, whether on the Hawks or not. I know you're a big Maddie Tuchuk fan out in Calgary. Other than him, who are some of the big younger guys that you enjoy watching right now? Yeah, I love the way that Matt and his brother Brady in Ottawa play the game. I always joke I can watch them, you know, play chess or mow the lawn. Like everything that they do, they just do at 100% effort, and I really enjoy watching that. Um, But, you know, I think if I were to circle, you know, everyone knows about the guys like – you know, like the Ovechkins and the McDavid's and the Matthews's that are carrying their teams, the McKinnons that are just, you know, 
freaks of nature on their team and get a ton of public hype. Um, but I think two young guys that actually play on the same team that sort of had a coming out party this year are uh, 22-year-old Jason Robertson, a forward uh, for the Stars, and their goaltender, Jake Ottinger. Um, Ottinger kind of came in because they, you know, they had Holtby, they had Ben Bishop, who were both high-caliber guys in their prime, plus they had Anton Hudobin, who brought them to the Stanley Cup final two years ago um, in the bubble. So those he was playing behind all those guys, and then with the retirement of Ben Bishop due to injury, with an injury to Holtby, and then Hugh Dobin was actually brought down, sent down to the American League, really below the NHL. Uh, it kind of became Ottinger's time, and he took it and ran with it, and he's been too. And I will say definitely close to my heart as they are both two Americans um, that had big time coming out parties and they're a lot of fun to watch and the success that Dallas has in this playoff run will be largely a part of them I believe so that kind of it backs me up a little bit because you brought up the American aspect so I thought one of your favorite to Chuck brothers was Maddie Chuck in Calgary who's from Scottsdale is that not the brother that you're obsessed with I love both Matt and Brady Matt is the one that Matt Kachuk is, yeah, an all-timer for me. Got it. I, okay. Yeah, he's the and one. And his brother's the one who's on Ottawa. Correct, the captain of Ottawa at like 22 or 23 years old. Um, and just and to even to even further back up exactly what you were saying about Ottinger here just last night, shut out the Flames 2-0 on 29 saves, obviously 100% save percentage. Um, this kind of slides me into a decent transition into a second aspect of something I wanted to talk to you about. We obviously go very back, had some maybe a little bit too much fun in college where we got a little uh, – um, hurly, let's say in the morning. The only other time I've made you hurl, I think, is when I asked you, what are the odds that two Canadian teams are going to make the Stanley Cup this year? And told you that I put a future on the Flames versus the Leafs in the final. So obviously, I know you hate this. You hate the idea of a Canadian team. <laughs> so for people that aren't as in tune with the USA versus Canada rivalry around the Olympics, does this thing run 365 across all levels of sports? Or is this just because kind of the Toronto Maple Leafs are the Yankees of the NHL just without the titles? Uh, full, so first of all, I'd say that the uh, old college days down the bottoms with the Bartons, that hurt less than me. Yeah. Um, that hurt less. Have, that yeah, hurt less uh, than me picking a Canadian team. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think in I think a lot of teams would say that the the two the two gold standards for our industry as far as uh, original six franchises their fan bases their atmospheres their arenas um, are for sure the Maple Leafs and the and, and the uh, Canadians um, and so I try I do I do understand the respect level that's there and I do see I can watch the Calgary Flames and recognize that they're a very good team and someone on the broadcast the other night when referring to the Edmonton game said that every section of that game looks like a team picture because every single fan is wearing the exact same jersey and it does it does look like the yeah. photo. that was a great way to put it so I love the passion that they have up there um but as an American I for me it runs through everything it's you know it's world juniors right now we're starting to release rosters for the world championships over in Helsinki here in a couple of weeks um and then that will parlay right into the remake the makeup of the world juniors which is always a fun tournament to watch right back into the nhl where my teams that i root for are obviously from the states um and i i really do love to forecast out the young guys like the robertsons and ottingers um that i could would love to see wearing the red white and blue 
uh, hopefully in four years when the NHLers are allowed to go and, and, and hopefully winning a gold medal. So for me personally, the uh, USA rivalry is a 365 day thing that I live and breathe. And I am always, always firmly on one side. Is the exception to that rule if there's an American captain on a Canadian team? Uh, no, I don't. It doesn't matter to me. Um, okay. It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily like. I don't think any of those guys. I don't know if any. I think maybe uh, Ottawa has their American captain, but the other guys are all Canadians. And I do. It doesn't matter who they're led by or who their captain is. Um, it just. Okay. It's. It's the whole environment fan base and i know the, the team I, the culture the whole, not a fan so I, I'm, I know the i know the bell center is montreal what's toronto's stadium uh scotia bank yes okay. I, I, sure. I feel like bell center has a nice ring to it it's well known as being the habs home um just kind of was curious yeah. if uh the maple leafs had something similar i know do they have well yeah. they have that huge uh they have that outdoor area i know that the raptors made famous a couple of years ago when they won but Yep. I'm sure it'll be a heck of a lot crazier if Toronto takes it for sure. Yeah. Oh gosh. But if they advance out of round one. That place will be going nuts. But I will say, seeing a game at the Bell Center is honestly you should be on the the bucket list of a sports fan because that is you know it's like church. It's like it's like almost like a, a, a holy event. It's it's awesome. And can you explain that a little bit further? Just because. It's in a French province, so so much of Quebec is has French influence to it. I've been there one time, or Montreal. So I've been there one time, and it has so much French influence. Is is any aspect of that religious experience that they're speaking another language in a lot of the announcements, and they sing the national anthem a different way? Is that it, or is it just because they're Canadians that are psycho about their hockey, and it's just a, that's what this is? You know, Ty, I think it has a lot to do with how knowledgeable the fan base is. Um, it is so it's so much different viewing the game there, as you as you said, when every goal announcement comes in French first and um, all the signage is in French and the majority of the fans are only speak French. Um, and it's and it's in you know downtown Quebec, which is absolutely stunning. Um, it, but I think it's the knowledge of the fan base makes it very cool. First of all, they were the worst team statistically in the NHL this year, and they were still first in attendance. I mean, that is, you know, it, as a Husker fan, that makes me really, really happy. Right. Um, and then, you know, it's it's things like they recognized that the team had a really important clear because the team's out on a long shift, or they had a really mm -hmm. nice breakout play that led to something else. They understand the high levels of it because they're so dialed in. They're not yeah. a casual fan like other fan bases have that, oh, that was a big hit or a fight, and that's what gets the crowd going. High-level hockey moments get the crowd going there, and it's really awesome. That's that's fascinating. I, I, I almost want to say, you know, Boston Red Sox, I have been to Fenway and I do think and, and this is a, this is from a Chicagoan who I know you're a Sox fan. I'm the Cubs fan. We kind of are polarizing in the city in that oh, way. How, but yet did, we that, still get along. how did that Crosstown series go? Yeah, we the, um, you're on to talk hockey. We're not talking <laughs> baseball till later in the summer. Um, but it's that makes sense to me. And I think anybody who listens, regardless of what sport they follow, like I'm thinking of my brother, Chad here, who's a diehard soccer fan. There's going to be teams or Robbie, who's my friend from Scotland, who's a diehard listener that we're going to bring on later this year to talk about the World Cup. I think almost any of us could have that comparison to a fan base or a certain venue that appreciates the, the sport that you love at the same level that you do. So I think that's a great way to put it. I'm and glad that you shared that. 
and you know, and, and as I've gotten older, I've really respected Montreal, but my brother and I both, both grew up playing hockey in Chicago. And when we were kids, that was just not a popular thing to do. Mm-hmm. School sport, no one else. Um, and it was, you know, we were kind of the loners that did it. And, you know, when... Oh, well, you're still a loner. The Blackhawks became... <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, and, and the Blackhawks weren't very good at the time. And, you know, when we were really young and looking for players to, you know, kind of like, you know, just like any kid does wants to find a favorite player and be just like them. My brother and I both picked Red Wings players as our favorite players. And despite the Detroit being Detroit and having that bitter rivalry, if you ask my brother and I today, that that was it was in a respectful rivalry. It was something a team he respected because they were so good back in those early nineties that my brother yeah. loved Pavel Datsuk and I love Steve Eiserman and still to this day at 13 and 19, they're probably in all of our passwords and everything like that. We just, we loved those guys because we had such respect for them. So you're right. When there's, there's those fan bases in those cultures and those franchises that you just look at with, with respect. And, and that when we were younger, it was Detroit for us too. And it's, it's interesting you bring up Detroit because in the middle of that, as I already referenced, 09 to 15 run that we had so much fun with the Blackhawks. I remember in the middle of it, I was like, as long as we have Taves and Kane, this team is never not going to the playoffs. And the Red Wings went 25 consecutive seasons to the playoffs. And I was like, well, that that can't be that. That's not that bad. You get a couple of the superstars, lock up Crow for a while, get that next goalie. We're going to be just fine. And here we are not even seven years after our last cup. And we haven't even made it to really the second round of the playoffs. I'm not counting that bubble uh, series win against Edmonton as a true series win. Haven't even made it to the second round in seven years. So just to what you're saying about respect to Detroit or those longevity fan bases that are able to survive the dark days to get back to the uh, the good days, like Eiserman's trying to get Detroit back to right now. Yeah. Um, but with them not being in the playoffs, let's stop talking about Detroit and get your Stanley Cup pick. Maybe talk about, I feel like anytime I listen to a podcast, all they ever ask is, who's the underdog? Give us a long shot. How, who's going to take the Who's going to take the cap? So why don't you just tell us why is Colorado the absolute wagon of the NHL, other than the fact that they last second lost the President's Trophy to Florida's crazy run? How are they going to lose a seven-game series? Is it you know, possible? It's, a, it's, well, a it really possible. Good, it's a really good question. And I thought to myself last year and, and in areas that they needed to maybe they wanted to get a little bit tougher to play against, maybe on defense, they wanted to take some, maybe add a guy or two that can play and specialize in their penalty kill. And they went out and addressed those things. You're right. They're a really good team. And, uh, you know, as, you, as I know, you know, the president's trophy has served to be a bit of a curse in our mm-hmm. sport. Um, I don't know what that is about, but teams that win that trophy that do the best in the regular season just don't tend to put it all together in the regular season. So maybe, you know, last year they were the president's trophy winners. Maybe that's, maybe it's a good thing that they didn't win this year. Um, you know, and I surely know that that's not something they care about. They're just going to go out and play their game, but you're right. They're apps. They're just so fast and they're so fun to watch how they lose a seven game series. I think a team, if it is Calgary, um, or if it, whoever it is on the other side, it'll go to playing against a goaltender that makes the stops that he needs to make and then makes a few that he shouldn't. Um, and, you know, 
I think this is a team that has some guys that are a lot of guys that are clutching their sticks and saying, we want to win a Stanley cup. If you listen to Nate McKinnon's uh, exit interview from last year, he was downright grumpy that he was eliminated and he is a winner through and through. He reminds me a lot of of, a hockey's Michael Jordan where losing isn't in his vocabulary and it stings him to his core when he does it. Um, And so I think, you know, he's just, come out like a bat out of hell and I feel like I'm playing with a loaded deck because they're one of the two teams that are up to nothing in their series too but they're they're a really good team um and it's really fun to watch them especially for the casual fan because they're fast they have a lot of fun young guys um so what's it going to take to beat them in a in a seven game series a team that plays solid defensively probably a team that hits them a little more than there used to be in hit though it's hard to hit what you can't catch and uh and a, and a goaltender, unfortunately, Nashville had a, a really tough go with losing UC Saros just a, a day or two before the playoffs start. That's a really hard bounce for them. And for, for all of those that maybe didn't catch up on what exactly the President's Trophy means, as we like to kind of educate fans as well on this sure. podcast, President's Trophy is, as Kelly quickly referenced, it's the team that has the most points in the regular season. And I actually just looked it up and very interesting that currently – is the longest drought since a President's Trophy winner has also won the Stanley Cup. So the President's Trophy was first given out in 1986 and 87 to the Edmonton Oilers. Um, And it's been done eight times that the President's Trophy winner has gone on to win the Stanley Cup. Most recently, Kel, by our Blackhawks during that lockout season when we went however many consecutive games with points. Yep, and I think a lot of people want to say that 2013 team maybe have has an asterisk too because they didn't win the President's Trophy after play after battling through an 82 game series. They did it after playing 48 or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the last team to do it with a full like a, a full 82 and then run the table in the playoffs, I think, was probably one of those Red Wings teams. It was. It was the Detroit Red Wings in 2007, 2008. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It was. All right. Thank you so much for doing NHL preview. Before we let you go, though, Kel. Bears draft talk. This is where me and you get our roots going here. Favorite pick of the draft. How are you feeling overall? Give me your give me your grade ranking, Mel Kuyper grade ranking. We have to do it. All right, sure. Okay, so I'd say that um, first, our first, the, the first guy that we took, I didn't watch a ton of Washington games this year, but the one that I did watch, I got to be honest, I didn't notice the quarterbacks or cornerbacks, excuse me. I was more focused in on Michigan in that awesome maze out game early in the season, night game at the University of Michigan. And so when I went back and kind of looked at it after we picked him, I was like, well, the Wolverines won like 30 to 1 to 10 or something like that. And all of their touchdowns came from their little their tandem in the backfield all on the ground and I was like well I guess that makes sense because two of the two of their best quarterbacks went in the top 40 of the draft so I guess they're pretty good and I don't I can't say no a lot about him and I didn't watch a ton about him but everything I read about him was athletic athletic fluid um you know ball hawk love that stuff that's what I want in my corner so let's go on but my favorite pick for sure was brisker and uh that is because not more than 10 seconds after the pick a very good friend of mine from out here who went to Penn state and is a diehard Packers fan texted oh, me. What, what a trash bag. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, texted me that, uh, Brisker is the perfect bear and just went on to gush about how much he loves that guy and how pissed he is that he went to the bears because of how perfectly he'll fit on the bears. So that yeah. was enough for me. Brisker was my favorite pick. 
Yeah, I am. I have a pretty full heart on here for Brisker. Just about any deep analyst that I've been able to spend the time going into, they're just saying this guy is the new wave safety of what the NFL is turning into. And for everybody, I mean, thank God we play in the trash NFC North and we only have to deal with Rodgers two out of 17 games. Because truthfully, if we're in the AFC West, we would maybe, maybe win one game a year. And that, that that's with this year's complexion of the team. So having polls look to the future and take two secondary guys in the very fastly evolving NFL that is all pass heavy, that was totally fine with me. I, I, mean, I went on record to multiple people, and I know you were one of them, where I was like, don't be surprised if they don't take a wide receiver in the second round with either of those picks. So I was, I was very, I, not happy, but I, I wasn't surprised that they didn't go with that wide receiver um, in that second round. But I did want to share with you one tweet that I found, Kel, before you jump off here about Valus Jones Jr. That kind of got me excited. So Valus Jones Jr., who's the wide receiver the Bears drafted out of Tennessee in the third round, he graded in the 100th percentile when it came to separation. But he averaged more yards after contact, a little over four, and more yards after the catch, a little over 8.3, than all but one wide receiver in this year's draft. He has more yards after the catch and yards after contact than all wide receivers except one, and that only one is Jamison Williams from Alabama, who is a light-speed wide receiver that nobody could catch at Alabama. So basically every reception he had was a 60-yard touchdown. So think about that for a second. This is a guy that lives in the slot, does jet sweeps, blocks, kick returns, and he is number two in yards after catch and yards after contact to Jamison Williams. You guys, we might have just found an absolute bona fide kick returner and maybe a third wide receiver. <laughs> I'm not going to say this guy's going to be a stud or say he's going to be a number one or number two, but there's a lot of traits there that I'm really happy about getting in the third round. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm fine with anyone other than Cordero Patterson in the backfield. Um, <laughs> And we get to move on, but um, yep. all right. Well, we got to make Kelly's drive to work a little bit funnier and have her laugh a little bit. Kel, thank you so much for coming back on for a second time. First ever recurring guest. So you get your special t-shirt at our one year anniversary when we'll be sending out some merch. Um, thanks again. And uh, have a great rest of your day, Kel. Awesome. Thanks, Ty. You bet. Now back to your regularly scheduled program. All right. So now we are going to do a quick little Jack Harlow clickbait something. Have you guys heard about this? Yeah. So this made me feel so good. So People uh, are crazy. I know who Jack Harlow is. I like a couple of his songs. I, 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 have, I, if you, I have no idea one song, not one song. There's one song you've probably heard. And this is one of those things that like you say out loud. It's like, God, I've never actually said this song out loud. I think it's called What's Poppin'. Uh, it's popping. Yeah, listen to it on listen to it on your uh, plane ride. Um, it's it's a good workout song. Like I really like it. And uh, there's there's some funny lines in there. He's kind of a clever guy. Um, I don't mind his stuff at all. So um, yeah, uh, I, it made me the oldest person on this podcast by a mile feel great that I'd heard of a rapper that you guys were not familiar with. Oh, I know who he is. Oh, nice. Okay, so I, it's, I figured out. I, 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 I couldn't. I couldn't name a single song to be honest with you. Uh, but I know who he is, and I've—I mean, I've heard his shit on the radio before. Yeah. So Tyler, I, I get had, with the times, man. Jeez. I had not—I did not know the name. Once I saw the face, I've seen the guy before. Like I know he's a famous guy. I've seen him before, 
But I thought that there was a really funny tweet that um, is, um, what's his name? Who did we just talk about? Jack Harlow? Jack Harlow. Jack Harlow. Yeah, Jack Harlow. Uh, Jack Harlow has the career that Lil Dicky thought he was going to have. Yes. And oh, I, thought that was, I thought that was That's hilarious. Funny. That's good. Because I like, I like some of Lil Dicky's songs, but. Yeah. If you um, like, yeah, like Jack Harlow. He, he was always, I always compared Dicky more to like a, like a Weird Al. Yeah, yeah, it was like a serious like weird, weird Al. Yeah, serious Weird Al. Yeah. And then for everybody who will be going over to that Twitter page, below the Kentucky Derby past performances tweet, I'll include the link to the Kentucky Derby Jack Harlow song, or Churchill Downs Jack Har- Harlow song, because that's what the jockey of my favorite horse, Barbara Road, Ray Lou Gutierrez, um, he tweeted that out just this morning. And that was kind of a, an even further confirmation that I wanted to bet him. So his hype music is Jack Harlow. That's what's going to lead Barbara Road to the title. So are you, are you going to be bumping that song all weekend then? I'm, go, I'm, I'm definitely going to listen to that song. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'll, I'll give it a chance. I can't wait for the, the Snapchat of the, your car where it just displays the song. Those are my yeah. favorite Snapchats to get from you. <laughs> yeah. More so me just bumping it. But all right, where, where's Ollie going to be bumping it this weekend? We're going to be bumping it in Louisville. In West Omaha, he was born and raised. Ollie Browse and Hinge for the rest of his days. Swapping on right to find the girl of his dream. So many of them, not what they seem. From love languages to dogs or a Netflix binge. Yo, Holmes, welcome to Unhinged. Unhinged. All right, Louisville. Let's see what kind of uh, sorority girls and horse girls we get. Horse, not horse. 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 Clarification. Horse. 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 <laughs> All right, we are we are queued up with uh, with the first here. You boys ready? Let's, Let's giddy up. Okay, my most controversial opinion is Joe Flacco is elite, and noodles belong in chili. My mantra is don't sweat the petty things is and don't BFT? pet the sweaty things. And what I order for the table: tequila shots. This is PFT. This is Pro Football Commenter. This is him. He's got the long hair. He loves Skyline Chili and loves throwing his noodles and everything. And then what was the first one? Um, uh, the, the, the second one? No, the first one. The first one was all him. Oh, Joe, yeah. Joe, oh, Flacco, Flacco, is Joe Flacco is elite. <laughs> yeah. No, this girl's great. Uh, whether or not it, She orders to go for the table? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have no issue with with a, with a few noodles and chili. Mixes up the texture. I'm good. I'm good with all that. I like that she has a strong opinion about that. Um, and I feel like she could probably back up some Flacco takes. So I'm into her. Strong I'm, guessing start she, I'm guessing she might be from Cincinnati, considering there's a lot of people that go back and forth between those two towns. But yeah, because that's the skyline Chili's from. But definitely, yeah, definitely not horse. Not horse. Not horse. Not horse. All right, we got one on the board. Let's see here scroll okay we got a voice prompt all right let's 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 debate this topic socks with sandals because socks and sandals belong together oh let's go i think but i think she was done there let's go okay sorry keep going a random fact i love is penguins mate for life you know me, I love my penguins. I take pride in my accomplishments, and I'm the type of texter who will respond quick or I will forget. All oh, the rest of that is very relatable, but... Two thumbs up. Two huge thumbs up. Horse. Oh, you've got a very strong opinion about soccer. I'm, I'm, I'm out on this. This is horse. 
I'm, I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to wear socks and sandals in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, but if it's October and I'm walking around in my Burks, I'm going to throw some sandals on. If I'm going to high V and I'm, I'm gonna, I, it's October, I'm getting some chili ready for game day. It's 10 AM. I'm, I'm driving down the corner. I got my bears hoodie on. I got some basketball shorts, some high socks and my Burks 100% allowed. That's all in. I'm all in this girl. That sounded terrible. Love you, Anna. See you in a little bit. Can't wait to get on your hinge, and this is going to be great. Horse. Horse. <laughs> okay. All right. Split opinions. Love it. All right. Third up here. My ideal date from home. Cook together while drinking wine and binge watch something on Netflix. I want someone who is as sarcastic as me and can make me laugh. This year, I really want to take more spontaneous trips. We've had this profile before, like not actually a profile before, but we've had this exact profile before. Yeah, yeah, pretty basic. We've done so many of these now that, like, I wonder if people are starting to, like, if there are definitely girls that listen to this on a regular basis, I think they realize, let's go, actually, anyone who's listening. Awareness is a tough thing. Well married and into the future. We need to get some younger listeners to connect with this dating world. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, She's she's horse. Yeah, horse. No, yeah, but and I, I also love that to take more spontaneous trips. Like it's already just kind of planned that you're going to yeah. be spontaneous. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to be spontaneous this weekend and I'm going to push to Chicago. <laughs> I'm so random. <laughs> I'm so random. Oh, if we come across that in a profile, I'll, I'll freak. Taking a really uh, random 4th of July trip to Okaboji this year. <laughs> <laughs> really spontaneous trip to Boji in a couple of months. I'm so spontaneous. <laughs> Uh, all right sarcasm too fourth up fourth up my simple pleasures weekend coffee shop excursions with my friends worship music on sunday mornings and hanging a perfectly level picture frame my best dad joke where do you go where do you go to weigh a pie somewhere somewhere over the rainbow (laughs) i don't get it Oh boy! Oh I can't boy! Yeah, she also has just... a little parenthesis here. So sorry. Yeah, that's kind of funny though. My most irrational fear: the Duolingo owl. Duolingo. Oh yeah, the the app that the, the, the language app. Doing Duolingo every day. Yeah, I get that. That's relatable. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I don't know that this person is the correct person um, for Ali, who you know we are. Uh, concerned about here primarily um i don't know if you're a big like gospel music guy but i'm guessing the answer is not yes not no be correct yeah so i feel like she's probably a great girl very nice not super funny we've gathered that from her dad jokes but um i'm gonna i'm gonna go horse here that's a pass yeah yeah horse that's fine we're moving on okay moving on uh, I'm the type of texter who will respond immediately because I'm addicted to my phone with the little laugh cry emoji. Pass. Let's make sure we're on the same page about women's rights and religion. And you should Pass. not go out. You should not go out with me if you consider yourself Republican or conservative. Pass. <laughs> I kind of want Tyler to meet this girl now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're bringing up politics and religion and the fact that you're addicted to your phone in the so same, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, I'm out. Um, but we, we, you know, first one, not horse. She was great. Uh, yeah, like, like her. 
Look on this hyperlink real quick, guys, that I have down here under under travel tips. I wanted to get your opinion because as Brad referenced, I'm about to jump on a plane here in about 10 minutes. Do you guys leave a tip for the cleaning crew, like in your hotel, or like the cleaning staff? Sometimes. If, 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 if the, yeah, if the room is, is a mess and I, yeah, I don't, I don't have time to just kind of like throw some shit away. Cause I actually try to do that when, when I'm in a hotel room to just like really pick up after myself. Um, but if not, then yeah, I will leave, I'll leave 10, 15 bucks. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't, but I've also found that most hotels I've stayed in, I mean, I've traveled a lot this year. I'm not like, they're not even doing my room every single day. Mm. It's it's not a regular thing anymore. Um, I think post COVID and staffing shortages. So, I mean, I hate to be like you. You know, you're only touching my room once, but if I'm there for four days and you're not, it's I don't know. I'm I don't. Um, but I think that hotels should just pay them enough that I don't have to tip them. So if that's if that's like an issue, then ah, the Australian know. concept, the the kind of logical concept that they've been running, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know that about Australia? Like their their waiters all make like seventeen, eighteen bucks an hour. Like well, they're you're, you're going to you're going to Europe, they do the same thing there. If you tip True. somebody in France, they're going to be like, "Fuck you." Yeah, yeah. The poor. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. I had never heard of it, and I think Ollie, that's a good rule of thumb. Maybe if the room's dirty, but I'm not the dirtiest persons usually it's pretty clean but yeah right. yeah, yeah. Nor, nor, normally i normally it's it, it's client i mean i'm a very clean organized person but you know sometimes mm-hmm. you just get a little ratchet in a hotel room and yeah i feel bad a couple, so. couple updates uh, before uh, we send tyler on his way overseas um just to, to round out the episode a tawny port there are two types of ports there are ruby ports and tawny ports and i wanted to make sure that I could describe this. Tawny ports are typically a little bit more uh, sweet and desserty. Uh, they tend to be um, aged a little bit longer. Uh, so some of those sugar comes out. Taste profile, mandarin orange, dried fig, pressed flowers, praline, and beef jerky. A ruby port is more plum, blackberry, black currant, uh, licorice, and chocolatey. Um, I'm a big fan of the tawny ports, not huge on the ruby ports personally. Uh, and then the I looked up what all the horses cost that we talked about. So just briefly, Taiba um, is was one point seven million dollars uh, at auction. Messier was four hundred seventy thousand. Tawny Port was four hundred thirty five thousand. Uh, Epicenter two hundred sixty thousand. Modenigal was two hundred fifty thousand. Uh, Smile Happy Ali's pick is one hundred eighty five k. And go. then. Uh, Barber Road was 15,000. The only one under 100,000 I found was the uh, White Horse, White Abario uh, at 40K. Ah, oh, White Abario was a cheap one too. Isn't that, isn't that wild? I mean, yeah. think about that investment return that you're getting. 15,000, that's, that's talk about a bang for your buck. And I guess it was originally sold to the owners who sold it just now uh, for 7,500 in 2020. So yep. a lot of good, good ROI there. Mm-hmm. All right, boys. Well, let's wish Tyler um, bon voyage and um, French word. Hey, we'll, we'll have a nice little uh, unhinged from Paris, France. Where we're going to yes, meet some the French guys. Yes. yes. Yeah. We we have uh, the introduction of finally the famous Mrs. Hammock, Brad's sister. Anna mm-hmm. will be jumping on the podcast for the first time as we'll bring her on to, uh, well, she's going to have to recreate her inch profile, or at least I hope she has to recreate it and doesn't have it still sitting out there. <laughs> But we'll be uh, we'll be doing the uh, unhinged from the the women's side of you. It'll be really fun next week. So make sure you're tuning in. And remember to follow us at Bloodlines Picks on Twitter. That is at Bloodlines Picks. Uh, you can also email us at the Bloodlines Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, any thoughts? 
comments, criticisms, you can uh, send those our way. Uh, but until next week, coming at you from perpetually dark and rainy Chicago, Illinois, I am Brad Kirschenbaum. For those two gentlemen out there in what appears to be less terrible Omaha, Nebraska, and soon to be Francais, hug it. Chug it. Football! Football!